Good morning. I'm going to be reading from the Bible for us in just a moment, but before I do, I'd like to pray for us, so please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it's living and active. Thank you that it's spirit-breathed. And we pray, Father, that as we read and listen to your word being taught this morning, that you would be speaking to each one of us. Please help us to know you better and to love you more this morning. Amen. Our first reading is from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And we'll be reading verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And our second reading is the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 40, and we're reading verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him 
and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Colin Brown. I was for many years Minister of Darnley United Free Church in Glasgow, uh, but now retired and happy to be part of the, the fellowship here at Cornerstone. I wonder if you've ever really seriously thought about eternity. If you really tried to think about the whole concept and what is it? What would it be like to live in eternity? Can you get your head around the idea of something that goes, goes on forever? Not just something that lasts for a long time, but something that never ends. God is eternal. God's existence never ends. The whole idea of something existing beyond time is, is out with our comprehension. Well, it's certainly out with my comprehension. How can we imagine or think about a God whose existence is beyond time. We, we are bound by the limitations of, of time and, by, and space. We think in very temporal terms. We think of the things that, that will happen and begin and end. How do you get into your head something that never ends from everlasting to everlasting. What does that actually mean? We think of the, what scientists tell us about the universe. In recent times, we get lots of images that have been coming from the, the James Webb telescope and, and pictures which, which, according to the scientists, show us distant galaxies. In fact, going so far that the light that comes from these, these distant stars has taken so long to reach us that it actually come from creation itself, from the very beginning of time. Can that be so? And if it is, if you could think, well, the, this light which this telescope has spotted comes from the beginning of, of creation what was there before that? I think it sends my brain into overdrive trying to work that out. Was there, what was there before time began? Do these, these images that, that the, the, the telescope shows, do they really take us back in time? 
And here's another intriguing question which we can't answer. Is time travel actually possible? It's, it's provoked lots of, of imaginative ideas and stories over the years. If you've ever read H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, or watched the film Back to the Future with the DeLorean car, or been gripped by the adventures of the Doctor and the TARDIS travelling through, through the fifth dimension. When, when I was uh, teaching RE, we used to use these cartoons to illustrate Bible stories. And it was, it was four uh, young people, and they would go off for a walk, and they'd end up in a sandstorm, and the sandstorm took them back in time to encounter some biblical scene. And they, they would, it would be a means of telling the story which was intriguing and interesting. It was particularly, I have to say, the Christmas one was over-sentimentalized. But it's not possible. Can we? Can we travel back in time? What, what What is time? Where does it come from? Where does it go? We can't answer these questions. I'm not going to attempt to because I don't understand physics at all. It was by far my worst subject at school. And there are, there are people, there are certainly people at the first service who are of my generation who could uh, relate to what, what, and apologies to anyone who's studying physics here. In my view, it was the worst name for a book that I'd ever come across at school. It was called Physics is Fun. It wasn't, wasn't fun for me. I, I just couldn't get to grips with it. So, uh, I'll try and stick mainly to the theology, I think. Um, there are plenty of people who know about physics and plenty of Christian folk who know about physics who can explain these things far better than, than I can. I don't understand it all, but what I do know is this. This God who exists out with time, is the creator of time. He is the Lord of time. He is in control of it all. And he's not limited by our understanding of time. And he most certainly doesn't act according to what, how we see uh, uh, time, according to our timetable and our time scale. He acts according to his plan, his purpose. And we see that working out through scripture. We see it in, in, in the scripture passages and we see it in the passage we read today in Isaiah 40. A passage which the prophet wrote building on what had gone before him. We have seen during this, this series of how God was preparing his people and planning to fulfill his purpose. He was there working through the events, through from the time of Abraham, right through God was at work. And this passage, like other passages in scripture, almost transcends time because here it is, building what has been, pointing back, in a sense, to the the prophets 
and the, the patriarchs and those who've gone before. Isaiah is speaking to the people of his time, bringing a message to those who, who are there. But he's also speaking of events in the future. And this is one of the, the things about scripture itself. And, and you know, we, we bear it in mind when we study some of the passages, and, and, and including passages that speak of creation. And, and later on, Isaiah, Isaiah 40, we, we have some wonderful verses about creation. But our understanding and, and our knowledge of, of, of the universe is very different from that of Isaiah. But the message is the same. The word is still for us, as it has been for these other generations. So in that, those, those words which, which Anna read in Isaiah 40, they, they, they almost transcend time itself. Isaiah building what has been, addressing the people in his time, a time of, of turmoil and impending doom for Israel. And he's bringing to them a message of comfort and of hope. And so we see God's plan working out, a plan fulfilled according to God's time, for he is the Lord of time. And the passage tells us his word endures forever. So Isaiah is, is bringing comfort to the people facing such desperate things happening in their land because of the disobedience of, of the people of Israel. But for our Christian perspective, we see him pointing to what is to come, to the future. I don't imagine for a moment that as Isaiah would have believed it would be another 700 years before this prophecy was actually fulfilled. But it was. The preparations for the coming of the Messiah went on for centuries. God's time is not our time. But as verse 8 says, the word of God will stand forever. The message Isaiah brought was 2,700 years ago, but it's a message for us today. He is the Lord of time. Not a time Lord, the Lord of time. He is in control. And so he addresses the people bringing to them three things he, he tells them to do. Three means of communication as well. Three messages. First of all, he tells them comfort. Comfort, comfort my people. This is in stark contrast to many of the other uh, prophecies from around this time. Many of Isaiah's contemporaries, aware of Israel's sinfulness, spoke of God's punishment, of his anger, and of, of the consequences of, of Israel's disobedience. 
But Isaiah is not telling the people that you're all doomed. He's saying you are comforted. He is a message that will bring you comfort, that will bring you hope, a word of encouragement, a tender word that he brings. And the reason the people are being comforted because there is a, there is a God who is being prepared for, well, a great prophet, a Messiah, a savior, the way is being prepared for him. And he will come. And he brings with him forgiveness. He brings with him the the love of God. Their sufferings would be over. Their God would come to them. And let's bear in mind as we begin Advent and we look forward to these weeks, preparation and and waiting and uh, I think For children, the waiting's very hard. For sometimes adults, the preparations are very difficult. And it only lasts four weeks. For the people of Israel, this time of preparation lasted for another 700 years after Isaiah. God works in his time, not our time. We should never assume that that God is going to act according to our time plans or our time scale or how and when we think things should happen. And if we look at the world and we look at our lives and we, we wonder why it's taking so long for God's plan to be obvious to us, just bear in mind, 700 years, God acts in his time And he knows the time, the best time, the right time to act. His plan is unfolded. And at that one moment in history, that crucial moment, he came and came among us. And the world was changed forever. Obviously, from For us as Christians, we look at it and we see, yes, the world was changed because of of Christ's coming. But actually, when you even just look at it from a historical perspective, the world was changed because of that. The world was never the same again. It's it's interesting, it's a little bit non-PC these days, but, but for centuries, history has been defined by those that came B.C., or AD, a crucial moment in history. And the coming of Jesus into our world made a difference to the history of humanity because in God's timing, (coughs) that was the right moment. That was the right moment. The message could spread easily across the Roman Empire. The world was changed and every part of human development since then, Christianity has been at the heart of it. Constantly there, making a difference. God's plan. He came to his people and he came to bring them comfort because the comfort is there in knowing that he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has come 
And he's come at that special moment. As the writer to the Hebrews said in the, the passage we read, those, just those few, four verses, down the centuries, God spoke to his people in many different ways. But at that particular moment, he spoke in a special, unique way when he came to us in Jesus. When we look at the passage, Comfort my people, says your God. Who is this addressed to? When we go on to the, the next instruction, it says, cry out. Who is crying out? To whom are we, are we, is this message being addressed? Well, in a sense, it's to us. Who Isaiah thought it when he wrote it is maybe not so important because it is to us. Comfort my people and then cry out. And what are we to cry out? We are to cry out about the frailty and the weakness of humanity. Oh, yes. In our modern age, people don't like to imagine that we as human beings are, are, are not in control of our own destiny, that we are limited in our our time span here on earth, that we are frail. I think, I think for many people, the pandemic was a real shock because people had started to believe that we human beings are in control of our destiny. That, that we, we, as we develop, as technology develops, as healthcare improves, we, we will be master of it all. We will control it all. We can decide it all. And then we realized we can't. Isaiah spoke to the people of Israel more than two and a half thousand years ago. He spoke to them at a time of destruction and violence and warfare across the land in which he lived. And today... It's exactly the same, isn't it? That same land is ravished by violence and hatred and division and war. So in what ways have human beings advanced? We are, we are frail and weak and we need comfort. We need that God to come among us to be with us, to bring us forgiveness and healing and new life. Cry out. What shall I cry? Cry out. Humanity is weak. And the weakness and frailty of human beings. But here is comfort. Because even in that, God has a plan. And his plan is being worked out. And then there's another form of communication. Proclamation. Go into a high mountain. Proclaim to the people. Tell them that there is good news. There is good news that their God is coming to them. Wonderful, exciting news. There may be destruction all around you. There may be terrible things happening you may be aware that, that 
your life, like all life, is, is, is weak and vulnerable and, and frail, but there is good news because God is coming, bringing salvation to his people. Tell the world. When he came, people didn't accept him, but he came. The message was there. Good news. Salvation is coming. God is coming. And we today look back and say he came. And his plan is still being worked out. And he still comes and he will come again. And he will come to our lives. So there is comfort. As we cry out. And we can proclaim this good news. But we stopped at verse 11, because verse 11 tells us something else important. Many people think when you read the Old Testament, you hear all about violence and God's anger and the disobedience of the people. But throughout the Old Testament, you also find wonderful passages of comfort and peace and reassurance of a God who is compassionate and caring. So Isaiah tells us in verse 11, and this we can proclaim, that our God comes to us as a shepherd, caring for his, his, his sheep. He comes to feed, to gather, to carry, and to lead his people. This is our God who is coming among us. A God of justice, certainly, but a God of compassion and love. And here we find this, this pastoral image of the shepherd that occurs again and again throughout Scripture, gathering his people, feeding them, carrying them if, if need be, and through the confusion of life, leading them forward and that is often what we need that is what brings us the comfort in 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 this world where there's so many confusing and perplexing and uncertain things i believe that the the there's more that's looked at most often on the internet is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I have a plan for you, says God. A plan for good, not of ill. A, God that, a plan that will bring you prosperity, not, not in the physical, material sense, but in the sense of, of, of what we are as people. And for us this morning, at the beginning of Advent, here is something else to remind us. Going through this, as we continue through this series, God has a plan. That plan for, was, in, was being worked out and prepared for over hundreds and hundreds of years and fulfilled in that little town of Bethlehem. For us, that that. We look at it and that, that hourglass, the, the, the sand in it, it ticks away very slowly and we, we wonder when God's plan 
The rest of God's plan will be fulfilled. When will he return? When will he come to us? When will he show us the plan for our lives? Well, the assurance, the comfort, the strength we can have today is to know this. God has a plan. He has a plan for humanity. We have seen the proof of that in the coming of Jesus. And God has a plan for each one of us. And the challenge for us is to make way for him. I think even as Christians, sometimes we struggle to really believe that. When life is confusing and uncertain, we're not sure where we're going, God has a plan for you and your life. And it probably isn't as you may imagine it, and certainly not in your time scale. I said at the introduction that I had been minister in uh, Glasgow for, for a long time. When I finished my studies, I didn't think I was, I was ready to, to, to go into ministry. I, I thought, this, I, I can't see myself in that, in that role, in that position. And I had a teaching qualification, so I was applying for teaching jobs in different places. And then someone came and said, we've got a new church being planted in the south side of Glasgow. And we'd like you to go at least for a year, get things going, and yeah, okay, for a year. And then I went and I thought, I'll stay here for maybe just just a, a little bit. The, the folk wanted me to stay, and so, yeah, at the most, five years. I was out of my com- comfort zone. A, a, a council is housing scheme in Glasgow, and it, it, it really wasn't something I found easy to relate to. This is, this is not me. This is not where my future lies. So when I retired from that church 41 years later, (laughs) it was clear God's plan was different and his idea was different. So however confused or uncertain you may feel at the moment, however you may wonder about what God has in store for you or what the plan is, be assured of this, he has a plan. And that plan will be fulfilled in your life. So stop worrying about it and just trust him and let him lead you and gather you and take you forward. That is the challenge, to truly trust and believe that God has a plan and that he will lead us. It is difficult sometimes for us to really accept that, especially when we, it seems to take a long time happening. But just trust and God will bring about his purpose for your life.